Hey, friends and colleagues, it's Nikki from Full Voice Music. Today's podcast, episode 81, all about first lessons. If you are working with young singers, well, you're working with their family as well. And I've got plenty of strategies to help everybody get started on the right note. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast, teaching strategies and resources for voice teachers working with young singers. Now here's your host, Nikki Loney. Hello, friend. How are you today? Thank you so much for joining me on the Full Voice Podcast. I'm excited to talk to you today. I've got a really good topic, one that I get questions about, one that comes up a lot on the forums, and that is first lessons. Dun, dun, dun. Now, today my topic is about getting started with a family, uh, a student or an, or a family and a family. Um, and uh, so I'm taking it from the place that you have already identified this family as an ideal client. Now, if you are looking for ways to attract the ideal client, I want to refer everybody back to one of our first podcasts. It was actually podcast number 13, and it was entitled Finding Your Dream Students. And uh, there's a lot of strategies on there about how to market yourself and to attract the people that you want to work with. And if you haven't checked out that podcast, please do so. I know it's a ways back, but I actually kind of listened to it a little bit and it still is very relevant. So if you are looking for ways to screen students and to make sure that you are attracting the people that you really want to work with, go check out that podcast. But today we are talking about first lessons, that first meeting with the student. And uh, there is a massive amount of information that we have to give our new students and their families, so important. And then there is um, a lot of information that we need to, to, I'm going to use the word extract, (laughs) We need to get from our students um, so that we can start to plan and pace the lessons appropriately. There's a lot going on. So I have some I have some strategies for you. I have some um, suggestions of how to do it and maybe streamline the process a little bit. Um, now before I before I dive into that though, I want to tell everybody uh, we have a new feature on the podcast and I'm so excited because in the next couple of weeks I have some really great guests and we've implemented this new new feature which is warm up of the week and uh, this is uh, this is where I ask my guests what their favorite vocal warm up or a warm up that they've been using successfully in their teaching studios. Uh, people are, love the warm up podcasts. If you haven't checked out the uh, vocal warm ups from around the world, we did that back in the new year um, over the holidays. So much fun. I interviewed teachers from all over the world, asked them what their favorite warm-ups were. It was so much fun. Those are probably one of uh, our most popular um, podcasts. So every week now we're going to have a warm-up of the week. So I hope you find that fun. It was fun asking my um, upcoming guests all about their favorite warm-ups. And of course, I steal everything from my guests. So I have taken some great 
warm-ups into my teaching studio, and my kids and I have had some fun. Uh, and my adults, by the way. I torture my adults just as much as I do my kids. Anyhow, so getting back to our topic today, which is about first lessons. Now, for me, in my teaching studio, the first lesson is really kind of a uh, an overview, a walkthrough of what a and I'm using air quotes here, typical voice lesson is. Um, and I like to um, I like to include um, parents in that first lesson. I think that uh, one of the keys to my teaching studio's success uh, is the fact that I do have an open door policy. I really encourage parents to be involved. Um, parents are welcome to sit in on the lesson. In fact, I have a lovely little seating area for them. Now, some parents just will sit and work on a laptop, and that is fine. I also have a lounge down the hall, and if they wish to not sit in the room, they don't have to. Uh, but the first lesson is really a, a very important meeting of the student, the family, and or at least parents, and myself. And um, I... I I really think that this is so important. Um, I know that many people, myself included, have, uh, I guess you would call it an intake form. So you have like maybe a questionnaire, maybe it's on your website, maybe it's a form that you send in an email that asks general questions uh, about the student, uh, maybe some of their previous experience, uh, maybe it dives into what are their favorite singers. Um, intake forms can be very helpful. I think it's important to have a um, a set, not a set, but a general list of questions that you like to ask your new students. And I like to do this face-to-face because it's interesting um, when you're talking, especially with young kids, they may not feel comfortable to answer some of your questions. So it's really important to have the parents there. Um, I've had, and this isn't just necessarily younger students. I've had teenagers um, that have come in for their first lesson and they are really, really nervous. And when I ask them questions, um, th- it just makes them even more nervous. So it's nice to have the parents there just to kind of bridge that communication gap. Um, so the questions and the intake um, forms are really, really helpful. But I think it's super important to ask these questions in person. Now, um, you might be, you might have some of your own standard questions, but I'm going to share the ones that I like to ask. And these are questions that I, uh, these are on my intake form question uh, list, and I find them to be very effective. So um, my first one that I love to ask is very simply, how can I help you? You know, what, what are your goals? What are your objectives uh, for singing? Now, with young students, they may not be able to answer this, but this is a really important to, question to ask parents. So there's lots of different reasons why parents are interested in voice lessons for their, for their kids. And I, I just want to take a little, I'm going off script here a little bit. Um, I just... I always, I see a lot of these comments in the forums. 
People get really, really snarky when parents are interested in voice lessons with a young child. We, we tend to, we tend to voice teachers to go to dark places and make really nasty assumptions. But there are a lot of reasons why families, why parents are interested in voice lessons. And no, the top reason is not because they want their children to be the next little superstar singer. That's not actually what I hear a lot from my parents. Um, I rarely hear that. So some of the reasons why parents are looking for voice lessons, um, for some families, uh, they are looking for um, professional help. Uh, to to help with uh, confidence and to help them discover their voices. So I have several students that uh, some are private students and some are in my introductory vocal class who are there to build their confidence. They are very shy. They love to sing. They're very musical, but they're very shy. So it was the classroom teachers, thank you classroom teachers, that recommended that they get involved with either drama or singing or something that would help them to discover their voices. We are not on a career path here. We are just looking to have some fun and we're looking to maybe sing some songs and build their confidence. That is a really great reason to seek out a professional and um, that also tells me uh, a lot because it, it allows me to rec- it, it, basically it tells me that I'm going to have to pace the lesson differently with this student um, a lot of parents are seeing that their children are very musical um, and are really interested in singing and again are looking for opportunities to develop those interests many uh kids in my area, sadly, are coming to music lessons because they don't have a a really strong music program in their school. So um, we have some really, uh, we got some really um, bad news. Our our government is cutting back, uh, drastically cutting back the funding for our music programs. And as much as that bothers me a lot, um, it's also an opportunity in my private studio to serve the community with the educational offerings that I have. So I'm trying to put a positive frame around that. But the cutbacks to our music programs have just uh, been incredible. And, and, uh, and it, it will affect our students. It will, it will, um, it will a bit definitely um, be difficult for some kids to, to get that music support. So anyhow, going back to why parents want lessons and what they are looking for. Um, this is a really important intake question. How can I help you? What are your singing goals? Because with that information, we know what our pacing is going to be like and what the expectations may be from these Uh, these students and from their mom and dad. Um, The other question that I like to ask is, how do you feel about singing? Now, some kids will tell me how much they love it. I sing all the time. Um, Some of them will will say, I really like singing, but I don't want to sing in front of anybody, or I really like singing, but I'm shy. Again, another really important little bit of information that can help me um, not only with my lesson pacing, but also with 
my energy that I bring to the lesson because I'm a pretty extroverted, goofy kind of fun person. But I know with my students that are really shy in the beginning, I'm probably going to roll that back a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> I don't want to scare them. Um, the other one that I like to ask, the other question that I like to ask in the first lesson interview is what is your previous lesson experience? This is really important because I want to know if they've worked with another teacher um, and not, and I'm not trying to be unkind or get gossip or dirt on that teacher, <laughs> but I, I want to know if they've had a private music lesson experience and whether it's a voice teacher or a piano teacher, the, the big reason that I want to know about this is because they're probably used to, um, different lesson policies than I might be that I might have, uh, or whether it's the cancellation policy or or makeup lessons versus flex weeks. So I always ask my students and their families, "What other experience do you have?" I also like to ask, and again, I'm not trying to be um, nosy, but I like to I want to know if their experience was positive or not. And I'd like to know why they left their other the other teacher. Now, again, um, I'm very professional. I also know that I'm only getting one side of the story. So if they had a negative experience, I'd like to kind of learn a little bit about it. Um, I always find that most negative experiences in private lessons tend to be from a lack of communication. That's usually what I, I get from the conversations. Um, and I know, I, I know that I'm only getting one side of the story. So I am always professional. I will never uh, talk poorly about a colleague, whether I know them or not, because I'm, I, I only know what I know to be true. And I, I know I'm only getting half the story. Um, but I think that that's a really important, um, a really important question. Uh, sometimes uh, when we get into the assessment part or the singing part, I'll, I'll often ask the student, well, you know, what kind of, what kind of warm-ups did you do? Um, that's very helpful. Those are really important questions that can go a long way. And now the warm-up of the week. All right, warm up of the week this week. So I have been having some fun with my teenagers. And uh, those of you who are teaching teenagers know that they come in all grumpy and tired to their lessons. Well, I, uh, I have a teenager who is a great kid, but he often comes in a little down. So I always try to make him laugh. And if I can make him laugh, then we are pretty much guaranteed a much better lesson. So we have been doing food-related warm-ups. And I want to shout out way back uh, to Rebecca's um, uh, favorite vocal warm-ups. She was in the podcast, The, the Vocal Warm-Ups from Around the World. And um, so I've, I've taken this initial idea from her, but now we've put food to it. So my warm up this week with my student Kaz, and if you want to see this in action, you can actually go to my Instagram TV because the video is up there at the full voice. So Kaz loves Taco Bell. 
I mean, I love Taco Bell too. So um, we started with uh, Taco, 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 Taco Burrito. And that was fun for a little while. And I and he cracked a bit of a smile. And then uh, he told me about this spicy crunch wrap thing that he just loves. So then it morphed into jalapeno taco taco spicy crunch wrap which made him laugh out loud and then from there we were able to have a productive fun lesson sometimes you got to leave the vowel modification behind and just have some fun with some food there's your vocal warm-up of the week Now, the other questions that I love to ask, one of them is uh, what kind of music uh, do they have at school? Are they taking music? Is there a choir? Um, What kind of instruments are they playing if they are playing an instrument? Uh, This is very helpful uh, because I, again, I can maybe choose a better uh, workbook for my student if I know they have previous experience. And um, I also like to do, I also like to ask them if they like the music at school. I often find that some of the students are enrolled in private lessons because they are not enjoying the music or the music opportunities at school are not what they are looking for. So again, great questions to find out. Um, Now, this is a challenging uh, question to ask. And I'm, I'm cautioning everyone. Um, But it's really important that we understand if our students have any physical um, learning or behavioral challenges. Oh, I know, right? Um, And what's really challenging is that um, sometimes parents might be uncomfortable, or in some cases, they are unwilling to discuss these challenges. Um, So you really have to be mindful uh, when discussing these, um, these uh, conditions or these, these challenges. Um, One of the, one of the languages, the wording that I love, and again, I can't remember who gave this. Oh, I do remember. This is my um, classroom colleague, um, Heidi. Um, Heidi's actually my, my student, but Heidi has just retired from the classroom teaching. And I had a lot of conversations about her, about, you know, how do you deal with, with children that have special needs or are having challenges? And how do you discuss that with, with mom and dad? So she gave me this sentence and I'm going to share it with you. So this is what she says. Uh, is there anything you can tell me about your child that would help me to tailor the lessons for his or her learning style. Isn't that good? That's a good one. We're not trying to make anybody uncomfortable, but we're trying to bring that up. And that, again, they might say, no, no, everything's fine. And then, of course, you you start working with a child and you realize that uh, there might be something going on. Um, one of the things, again, I'm going off stri- script here. One of the things that I have 
because in in my lesson um, we do a lot of music reading one of the things that I have brought to the parents attention on more than one occasion is the child's need for eyeglasses I will notice my students squinting and leaning forward and really struggling with focus and I'll just casually say hey um does she wear glasses or has she had her eyes tested recently and you know parents will be like oh no no and I said well might be something you want to like look into and uh, sure enough in in all of those cases the child did need glasses anyhow um so when you are when you are asking those questions when it comes to behavioral or learning or physical challenges proceed with caution um and just just be mindful, but it's important to gather that information. Now, um, those are some of the things that I kind of need to know, but let's, let's flip it around. What do, what do they need to know? So what do families need to know? What are moms and dads, the people who are paying you? And what does the student need to know? Well, the first thing, and I'm hoping that you would have addressed this before first lessons, but policies and procedures. This is so important. So uh, a good business practice is to have your policies posted on your website. A better business practice is to have them printed up and uh, in re- looking really lovely on a piece of paper that you can hand the parents. Um, but the best, the best business practice is actually to sit down and go over it, at least the points that need to be clarified. So for example... If I have a family that has had previous experience with another private teacher, I will go over my my payment policies, my cancellation policies, and my flex week policies. So this is different from a lot of other people. I want to make sure that the families know that my flex week and my tuition policies work in their favor just as much as they do for me and make sure that they understand how how my policies work. That's so important. Uh, The other thing that we often forget, (laughs) and I have forgotten to do this, is how to contact you. Setting boundaries on how and when you should be contacted are so important. I mean, unless you're one of those teachers that loves to be on your phone 24-7 and and maybe you don't mind if parents are, you know, texting you first thing in the morning or very late at night, as some people do, uh, be very clear with your time and when you will be available. Um, So whether you are using a text, I don't recommend texts as a form of communication, Um, but email, phone number, and your business hours. Make sure that is on every document that you give that new family. And then the other thing that I really like to tell my families, and I think this serves me and them really well, and it kind of takes, it kind of lets everybody breathe a little bit. It, I always like to tell my families, it's going to take a while before we settle into a productive routine. 
it's going to take a while for your daughter to get comfortable to singing in front of me. It might take a month or so. It's going to take me a while to get to know your daughter's voice. And I think that that, that is uh, true for many of us. I don't believe that my, our students in the first few lessons are comfortable enough to truly relax and show us what they are capable. I find it's almost like I hear a new voice every week as they start as they start to relax, as they start to have fun, as they start to, you know, just be comfortable in our space. Um, and that's the other thing I wanted to say. Families and students need to know that our studios are safe spaces for them to make mistakes and to ask lots of questions. So important. Um, the other thing that's really important for those of you using online schedules. So if you're using My Music Staff or Acuity or any of those online scheduling things, this would be a good time to maybe do a little brief uh, tutorial perhaps on how to use it, how to log in. Um, this will save you some pain and suffering down the road, I promise you. Now, don't be upset if they need to have a refresher or if they have questions, <laughs> but at least you can get them started and get them into the routine. I still have families, as I know many of you do, that won't log in to their account and either cancel or update their information. They'll send me an email. Some of them will text me, which drives me nuts. Anyhow, um, so these are things that families need to know. Um, they also need to know, and this is important, um, they also need to know what your policy is if they choose to discontinue lessons. This is so important. I don't think you want to avoid this conversation. Um, I think it's important and uh, courteous to say, you know, if things don't work out, I require how many weeks or months. And I think most reasonable people can understand why you may need a month or perhaps six weeks notice uh, if they plan to discontinue. Um, it may take you that long to find another student. So that's a conversation that you might want to have in that first lesson when you are um, talking to your families and getting to know everybody. So um, I, uh, <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to share something with you because um, this happened to me recently. It was so strange and it was very, uh, it wasn't upsetting. It was just like uh, off-putting. Is that a word? I don't know. Um, so we were talking earlier about the intake forms. And uh, um, I recently had to um, go to a different massage therapist. My, my massage therapist was uh, sick and she wasn't able to massage and I had a very stiff sore back. So I got a referral to another <laughs> massage therapist. I spent forever filling out her intake form my history, my injuries, why, where the pain was. I had to mark on a chart where I ha was hurt and blah, blah, blah. So I spent all this time, almost like a, close to like 20 minutes filling out this form and only to have her rush me into her room. She glanced at my intake form and then 
uh, put the intake form aside and then proceeded to like rush through a massage, which was probably the most terrifying and painful massage I've ever had in my entire life. But as she was like violently massaging my back, I thought, gosh, I hope I don't treat my new clients like this. I hope that that I'm much better at customer service than this person is. Uh, and it really made me think. It really made me think about my how I run my business, how I want to welcome families into my studio, how I don't want to rush them into singing songs and doing things that make them uncomfortable. <laughs> so um, there's just a, a little example of, of uh, not doing a good job at a first appointment. Um, anyhow, I can laugh about it now. It was actually really terrifying. It was one of those where I came home from my massage and my husband's like, well, how was it? And I'm like, I don't know. I feel violated in a way. <laughs> anyhow, um, now I want to move into the vocal assessment part or the singing part of a first lesson. And again, for those of you who are working with beginners or children, um, this is this I think you need to be very, um, uh, very courteous and 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 patient uh, with your students. And now for the My Music Staff Minute. Hey everyone, Katrina here, and today we're talking about planning your big moves for the future. Where do you see your studio this time next year? How do you plan your prospects and projections? Maybe you would like to add more students, hire another teacher, expand to another location, find a commercial space. How can you achieve these goals? Knowledge is power, so you need to have all the numbers at your fingertips to be crunched into usable information. So what information do you really need? You should have a clear idea of your target demographic and know what sets you apart from your competition. Determine your goals and objectives in the short term and long term. Planning for the future means having an accurate financial picture of where you stand now and having enough historical data to help you predict what's coming. You need to know how much you're making from your business, also known as your revenue, and everything you're spending, or your expenses. How much do you profit from teaching? If you teach multiple instruments or lesson formats, do you know which are the most profitable? What is your net worth? Do you have a little put aside for a rainy day or a big purchase? Business planning can be exhilarating. Having all the numbers and data at your fingertips is key to moving your music studio forward. If you'd like to jumpstart your business and become your accountant's favorite client, start your 30-day free trial of My Music Staff today at www.mymusicstaff.com. Stay tuned for next week's tips and tricks on the My Music Staff Minute, exclusively on the Full Voice Podcast. Very courteous and, and, and patient uh, with your students. So before diving into vocal exercises or warm-ups or asking them to do like weird things like lip trills or tongue trills, um, take a brief moment just to explain what a typical lesson is. And giving a general outline of what happens 
in the lesson can go such a long way to helping alleviate some of their nervousness, their worries. And um, this is particularly helpful with students with anxiety. And if you checked out um, the uh, podcast with uh, Becca Sampson on adaptive lessons, she talked about that a lot, about letting students know what exactly is going to happen, how many minutes are going to be spent on certain activities uh, can be very very helpful. Now, we don't necessarily have to give them a, uh, a a clock here, but at least giving them an idea of what happens and how it's structured. Um, and we all know that lesson pacing um, in the voice studio is not simple or easy. Um, there's no there's no one size fits all. Um, as we get to know our singers and we start to understand where they are physically, uh, mentally, emotionally, um, the flow of your lesson will will fall into place. And, and be patient with yourselves. Be patient with your students. Um, they will, it will take shape and they will become more enjoyable and productive. And that's one of the reasons why I always explain to families give us some time to get settled. Now I have had rare occasions where a family's come in and they have a specific, they need coaching on a song, they're preparing for an audition. Okay, that's a little different, we can get started. But people that are new to music lessons, we can be a little, little more flexibility. The other thing that I think is really important is explaining to our students why we're doing these exercises. Vocal exercises can be weird to, they can be really, really strange to new singers. So explaining what we're listening for and what we're trying to do can be very helpful. Now, the one thing I will say, first lessons, I personally don't get into correcting vocal flaws or offering a lot of correction. I really just want to make them comfortable and I'm trying to assess them. And in, and I often do it with fun games. Um, I, uh, I love, um, there's a little game that I play with my little students and, and, and they love it. It's, it really kind of helps to break the ice. So I have my large tonic sofa, uh, cards on the wall behind my piano and they kind of go up on an angle and we, we learn the tonic sofa. We might only, depending on the age of the student, do three or five note scales, but I will, I will make them sing. I, I don't play any notes on the piano. I sing the notes for them. And then I will point to the tonic sofa cards and I'll make them sing little patterns. I call the game follow the hand. And we go up and we go down. Now, they're laughing and having fun. I'm assessing their skills at singing um, pitches independently. And if they if they struggle a little bit, then I simplify the game. If they're doing really well, I'll make the game a little more challenging. And then the thing I always love to do is I make them, I, I do role reversal and I make them the teacher. And they have to point to the cards and make me sing them. And we have a lot of fun. This empowers them. That's so good for little ones that have anxiety or who are shy. Let them be the boss. That t- that lets them off the hot seat. That makes them smile. It's a great icebreaker and a good way to really help them settle into your routine. Um, so... 
that that's one of my little exercises that I do. From that exercise, then I may go to the piano and um, demonstrate what some of my just simple exercises would be. So we might do a five note scale. We might do a three note scale with a really young child. Usually five note scales are where I like to start. Um, I might, I might uh, encourage them to try a lip trill or a tongue trill uh, just to see if they can or they can't. Um, I love my tongue twister jar. So I might make them reach into my jar that has some tongue twisters. And again, it depends on the age of the student, but it's, it's really fun. Usually makes them laugh. And, um, and then, uh, and then I like to leave some time at the end of the, the first lesson to sit back down with the mom, the dad, if they're both there and the student and ask, what questions do you have for me? And, uh, that's, that's so important. Um, they might not have any questions. It's such a huge exchange of information. Now here is my big recommendation and and I can't tell you how important this is. Um, the fortune is in the follow-up following up with a thank you email Uh, a well-written email, uh, thanking them for coming in, um, telling them how excited you are that they are now a part of your teaching studio. We're always trying to build community uh, within our teaching studios um, is is so important. So a follow-up communication is professional and courteous. Um, I recently met with uh, an accountant and a a lawyer, and they both followed up with a very professional email summarizing what we had discussed and then giving me my next action steps. So professional. And again, I always, I always, whenever, whenever I have either a good experience or a bad experience with other professionals, I always relate it back to my studio. Do I do that? Could I do this better? Um, So that follow up email is so important. It and, and what I usually find is that people might not have questions in person, but after after the first lesson and things had a t- have a have a bit of time to settle, then they will have questions. It's so it's so normal for people to have a whole bunch of questions after they leave. So that that follow-up email can be so great. And it, again, it goes a long way um, in allow, letting your new clients, your new families know that you are professional, um, you are catering to them, that they are important new members of your teaching studio, and that you are there to serve them. And that speaks volumes. So um, that, that follow-up email, um, and you can have some fun with it. Uh, but we always want to keep 
the lines of communication open. And this is the first step. Um, and with this kind of, uh, with this kind of professionalism, um, having a face-to-face meeting, going through and overviewing your lesson, and then following up, you and your family and your student will be getting started and into productive lessons sooner than you know. Now, the other thing that I always remind my parents to, and this is, this is my personal, um, approach, but I do not rush into repertoire. I believe in assessing before I assign. Uh, I want to make sure that students are comfortable in my teaching studio, and I need time to see where they are. I know some of my colleagues can listen to somebody sing once and they, they've, they've, they've got it figured out. That's not me. I need to really listen to that voice before I, I have a plan. And I also want to know their personality because I'm going to help them and they're going to help me choose better songs. And when you get started with songs that the kids really like, again, that goes, that goes so far. It reassures the parent's decision that they've chosen the right teacher and um, the lessons are fun and productive. So um, I play lots of singing games. Um, I work through the first couple of lessons in the full voice workbooks. Uh, and if you are new to the full voice resources, you can go to our website, thefullvoice.com, and download the first three lessons from, from all of our workbooks. And you can get started with them and try them and see how your students like them. But I use the first couple of lessons in, in the book before we dive into songs. And I find that that really helps them get comfortable and it helps me make a better repertoire choice. So that is... Ah, that is our conversation and discussion about first lessons. Now, if you have something that you want to add to this conversation about first lessons, if there's something that you like to do that works really well, I want you to go to the podcast page and leave a comment. You can leave a comment on any of our podcasts. It's so uh, wonderful to get some feedback, comments, ideas. Please share your thoughts. And um, as always, I want to uh, thank the wonderful people at My Music Staff for their business tips. And um, I want to tell everybody about our podcast next week. So next week, my special guest is Libby Weeble, and Libby is a traveling teacher. Libby goes to people's homes to teach, and she has created a, not only an amazing business for herself, but she creates wonderful community between her students. And I'm really excited for her to share her story. So next week, our podcast 82, we are talking about the traveling teacher. Ah, so much fun. As always, if you are enjoying this podcast, please leave a rating or a review on iTunes. If you have questions, concerns, or comments, you can always send me an email. It's Nikki, N-I-K-K-I, at thefullvoice.com. 
And if you have not checked out our brand new product, they're super cute. If you are working with young singers, our singing lesson practice planner and journal There are three themed little journals. They're super cute. One has little doggies, one has cute kittens, and one has colorful little birdies. I hope you'll check them out. I'm going to put a link on the podcast page. (sighs) There we are. I am wishing you inspired teaching and happy singing. Thank you for listening to the Full Voice Podcast. For more information and teacher resources, please visit our website at thefullvoice.com. Made my canoe music. Canoemusic.ca. Okay, so get really close to the microphone. Be really close. Mm-hmm. Okay, say, and now, eh. oh, wait, no, I have to give you the whole thing. And now for the warm-up of the week. And now, the warm-up of the week. That was pretty good. I think you need better diction. (gasps) (laughs) Okay, try it again, try it again, try it again. Restart. Okay. Ready? Wait, what? Okay. And now, the warm-up of the week. And really chew the words. (laughs) And now, the warm-up of the week. What if it was like a baseball warm-up? How would you say it? I don't know. And now, the warm-up of the week. Did you say it like that? Okay, oh. one more time, one more time. Okay, ready? Yeah. Relax, relax. relax. Okay, and go. now, the warm-up of the week. Okay, I want my $5 now, please, Mom.